0: What's an A player? It's someone who possesses the attitude of curiosity, connection, and total commitment to the vision. The work we do with our clients helps them both be A players and fill their organizations with A players. This is a segment of the Naked Leadership Podcast where you will get to know the A players of our team right here at Take New Ground. You'll get to see firsthand their brilliance, talent, and commitment as we talk through areas of their expertise. Hey everybody, this is Chad. Today I get to sit down with my good friend, Caitlin Zaremba, associate partner here at Take New Ground. Caitlin is an organizational psychologist specializing in talent assessment and leadership development. But you'll hear more about that in this conversation. In this episode, we talk about the most effective way to utilize assessments with your team. Did you know that there's one crucial thing you must do when you use an assessment with your team? And if you don't, you can actually do more damage to the culture than good. No stress. We're going to talk about all of it in just a minute. It's so fun for me to get to introduce you to Caitlin. Let's dive in. Caitlin, my friend. How are you?
1: Hey, Chad. I'm good.
0: Good. (laughs) This is our first episode of A Players Only with you. And I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. It's been a ton of planning and strategizing and figuring out how we wanted to highlight the, the members of our team in a way that could bring something unique. Each of you bring something unique. And so I've just been so excited about this idea. So excited to be able to bring you guys to the conversation and share the value that we get from you with everybody else. So thank you first, just for taking the time and uh, in your generosity and and being here.
1: Thank you. It's my very first podcast ever and something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but never knew how the opportunity would come about. So I'm super appreciative of you setting this up for me.
0: Well, here we go. I mean, this is super formal, right? A lot of (laughs) pressure. If you, all notes. if you mess up there will be firings. yeah so
1: prepared for that
0: yeah just make it make it great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm so excited about uh, I keep saying that but I mean it sincerely. I, I, I've really been looking forward to getting your voice in the conversation you bring such a and we're gonna get into that um, as I mentioned in our in my conversation with Aaron, we're not going to do like a get to know you episode because we want to make sure that there's value in each one of these conversations that, pe- that leaders can take and apply immediately f- either for themselves or with their teams or their families. So over time, we're going to get to know you better. Um, but as of now, um, we're really going to dive into the topic of assessment, um, and the use of assessment on teams. And as we dive into this, I'd love if you would just take a second just to give us an idea of why you got involved in, interested in uh, assessment for teams. And this will you know, start to give people a little bit of a window of the unique perspective that you bring to our team and to our clients' success.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, great start. So I, as you know, but other people might not, my background is in clinical psychology. So I got my doctorate. Um, in that field and I was supposed to become a therapist. And um, once I got out of graduate school, I went right into the consulting field. Um, but what I didn't know going into the therapy program is that assessment is actually a huge part. I mean, why wouldn't it be? It's diagnosis. That's our favorite thing to do in the clinical world is diagnose people and you know help them understand what they're working with and what they need so that we could treat them effectively. Um, but it was such a huge part of the start of my program, and it started in ways you can assess people based on their personality features. You can assess people based on their intelligence. Um, the ways that I did it throughout grad school was I started in a substance abuse treatment center, and I was helping people understand um, you know their mental faculties and how substance had in the use of substance over time had impacted those. So we do like memory recall and number sequencing and it was fascinating to see people at various points of their addiction and recovery journey and how well their cognitive functioning was working or mostly not working. Um, So that was some ways in which I started it. I did it in um, the, with folks on the autism spectrum, We would sit in a room with the family and I would be kind of step one in determining if they needed to go seek a more um, sophisticated evaluation, if their child might be on the spectrum. So that was a lot of sitting and playing. It was less use of psychometric instruments, but more of like sitting with the child and playing with them and talking to various family members and getting a lot of just behavioral analysis down. Um, and then, you know, we did it in community mental health centers, a lot of people struggling with personality stuff that's impacting relationships. So I I say all this to say that assessment has been very deeply ingrained in me starting about 10 or so years ago. And then when I did come into the consulting field is like, oh, here it is again. This is like a really critical tool and part of the process of coaching leaders and executives is getting this baseline understanding of like where are you at where's your team at where's your organization at and i felt pretty lucky that i um got into it with relative ease because it was so ingrained in how to do it and how to do it well and how to do it like in a scientist scientifically valid way (laughs) versus just like this is what i think is going on with you um and so I've been doing it ever since. I've been doing it for a very long time.
0: So uh, those of you listening, you can already see the unique perspective that I'm so grateful that Caitlin brings to our team because I know Caitlin, you didn't really relate. You, you didn't really like uh, relate to this phrase, but I. this is how I think of it is like, you're at least for me, you're really helping me bridge the gap between clinical psychology um, or clinical mental health work and coaching two two worlds i feel like that operate pretty independently i would say um and i just love the idea that you are you you're allowing us to like really bring these together in a powerful way and i think it gives us an edge i think it gives our clients an edge um so that's i i just wanted to like point that out because I think it's really really valuable for both our team and the people the leaders who engage with our team in a coaching uh, context so um you mentioned diagnosis and obviously that's not a term that we use often or ever when we work with our clients and we're and we're talking about assessment but I think it's interesting to make the parallels or or to like give it that other name because that's literally what we're doing is we're like assessing what is actually going on that we can't see or that we may not be able to see. Um I'm I'm curious before we dive into assessment though, why for you, why did you choose to dive into organizational psychology?
1: Yeah, that's a great yeah. <laughs> um, my dad wants to know that too. <laughs> He's like, I helped you through this degree, and then you ditched the field. Like, what the So um, (laughs) what ended up happening is, so in your five-year doctoral program, you have a lot of um, practicums or like clinicals that you have to go through just as you would in med school. You go and you work in the field and you work in the hospitals or the practices and you figure out, you know, the populations you want to work with, how to work with them, And it just so happened that a lot of my training ended up being in hospital settings rather than traditional like therapeutic practice at private practices or um, mental health centers. So what that did is it trained me in a very, very specific way that was much more consultative and kind of like crisis management, really, rather than like sit on the couch or sit across from each other and like go deep into this process that requires a lot of time and patience, and so when I graduated, I was finishing everything, and I was like, all the boxes were checked, and I kind of had this little like crisis, like I don't know how to do therapy. I wasn't trained that way. I I only did it for about a year in my postdoc in a community mental health center, and it was terrible. <laughs> for me at least. (laughs) Um, And so what happened was I was much better trained to go into a system where there was like shit happening and it was kind of messy and there was a crisis and there was a multidisciplinary team. I wasn't just working with other psychologists. I was working with doctors and nurses and families and like triaging issues and going more towards like action and outcomes. and um,
0: Really complex systems
1: complex systems conflict tension plans you know so it's a very very different skill set and you know i have this kind of like sometimes over like too strong of a sense of responsibility (laughs) that gets me in the way of like just doing what i know how to do but i was like i can't responsibly start taking on therapy clients when it's not something i've really trained or became comfortable with interestingly the need to get comfortable with that became very evident even in my transition into consulting. So the consulting transition was simple for me because I was like, it's business, it's high functioning people who still have issues and they're pretty highly motivated to get after them. Um, but what I learned in my first you know, three to five years is I still have to get really, really comfortable sitting in the tension with these people. Like getting into deep work and process, and sometimes there's a patience component to that. But you know, it all kind of came together in this really nice way. That a couple of years in, I was like, "This is the place for me. It matches. It suits my personality and my skill set really well."
0: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would concur. So, the, in the world of like assessment, I, you know, anybody listening to this has probably heard of. So many different assessments. I mean, you have like Myers Briggs, you have Enneagram, you have Harrison, you have all like there's so much. And it can, I know, just talking with other leaders, like it can become overwhelming how many assessments are out there. It can also become a little bit jading, like, okay. There's all of this shit out there. There's all of these like tests you can take and they're going to tell me who I am and you know all that sort of stuff. And and maybe even that leads to them not like the, the validity of those assessments going out the window because it's like, okay, not everybody, everybody's got a twist on assessment. Um, and I'm curious for you, how do you, I, I believe it's incredibly useful on a team uh, depending on how we relate to it how do you, how have you like evaluated the validity of an assessment in its usefulness in an organization?
1: Yeah. Great question. I mean, I just laugh as you talk about that because I think I told you this before, I have one client who uses the color wheel. And so it's not something that I instituted or anything like that, but they're talking to me and they're just very, very confident. Like I'm, I'm a yellow today and I'm very yellow. And this is, and I'm just like, cool. What, what, what does that mean? Like say more about being yellow, you know, like what's the impact of, you know, I have no clue what they're talking about.
0: Um, or I'm an S or my favorite one. There's one that like takes, I don't know what it's called. You probably do, but it takes like four or five. It's like an acronym of like four or five different letters. It's like, I'm an L R T W on a full moon with a,
1: <laughs> a right wing yeah. number eight. Like it's like an in and out order. Like,
0: like, yeah, right. right. right?
1: Um, so yeah, it's, it's wild, but so, the way that I would determine a valid assessment, I mean, for our listeners, you should probably just email me and ask if you wanna feel sure, because unless you're steeped in research methods and you know psychometric properties and statistics, it's gonna be hard to determine. If you're talking with an outfitter, like a vendor who provides an assessment, they should be able to send you that information. They should have it. If they don't have it, that's a red flag. Um, the question that I like to tell people that ask, because it freaks everyone out, is like, is this legally defensible in court? Because I don't know about you, but if there are decisions being made about who I am in my professional identity and how capable I am in my work and where I need to develop, I want to know that it's being evaluated by an assessment that is you know, scientifically researched and backed, and also a person who's who knows what they're doing and talking about? There's limitations in both the validity of the assessment and then the way that the assessment is used. But I will say that, you know, we use the Harrison assessment. I think that's a wonderful tool. One of the reasons I like it is because it doesn't put you in a box per se, it talks about, it incorporates features like when you're at your best, when you're under stress. Um, the tensions between being two things at once, because it's possible that we can be both sensitive and bold and arrogant, which might sometimes seem to contradict. But there's a lot of range in that that takes into account the whole person and our, you know, our nuances, which is really, really important. So, I mean, my short answer is, there are there should be research that backs the assessment that you can look into and ask about my even shorter answer would be just shoot me an email and i'll let you know if your assessment sucks
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'll give out your personal cell phone number caitlin's number is no i'm just kidding um yeah so one of the you mentioned the harrison it's the one that we prefer the one that we use with our clients we've talked about the harrison in fact we've actually done it those who are new to listening we've done an entire um, series on every uh, paradox that's in the in the harrison and talked through the details of them how you land where it shows up all of that kind of stuff so if you're interested in that you can go back uh, i think it's episodes from last year or something like that where we went we go through all 12 paradoxes harrison actually maps you on on 12 paradoxes, according, and this is one of the things that really sticks out to me about the Harrison, according to what you say you enjoy, right? It's not, there isn't magic. There isn't like random questions about flavors of ice cream. And then it tells you what your personality is. It's just literally asks you, you know, you stack rank your, the things you enjoy most to the things you enjoy least. And then it takes the results of that the consistency that's there. And it maps you on these paradoxes. The other thing that I think is really useful for me in the Harrison is that there aren't resulting labels. We don't come away from the Harrison and say, okay, Caitlin, you are a A B, AB, whatever, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you fall here. And then also here's your range of behavior. And then under stress, you might go over here. And uh, to me, that's like some of the most nuanced but useful results I've ever seen on the back end of an assessment.
1: It's super important to understand this concept that there is no ideal personality. I mean, yours is great, Chad. (laughs) I would say it's ideal. It's pretty idyllic, um, but they're really- like, Before we start to-
0: recording, we really talked about how ideal it actually is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So I always try to preface that when I start working with people um, that they're- don't come into this thinking that there's a right answer. It's about your preferences. And based on those, we can see how you might show up in one context versus another, and by the way, how you might show up in one context might be really terrible for a certain you know, situation, or it might be really great, but none of that matters. It's about understanding who you are at your core and how other people might view you and using that self-awareness to be able to kind of flex per the situation. Because it's not that simple where we can say like, Oh you like rocky road you're terrible. <laughs> like that might work great over here then you know. So people I I really want to emphasize that a lot because it can be very anxiety provoking to take an assessment and feel like you're going to be evaluated and marked off as like I'm not good for this role or I'm not good for this team or but that's not really what we're getting at here. And if it's you, if it is used that way, that is problematic.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Like you mentioned this anxiety that's, that can be induced by an assessment. Like I've noticed this with my clients when I'm working with a team or our clients in general, when we're working with a larger team as TNG, that there is a, there is a level of anxiety that happens when an assessment is utilized uh, or or can there is a, there's a level of anxiety that can happen maybe yeah. when the setup's not done well or whatever because people perceive that they're being evaluated of and this this is going to decide whether or not they have a job on Tuesday when the results come out you know or they're going to get the promotion or you know any of that sort of stuff which i mean partly true. Like we are using it to make some of those decisions, but how I, I'm like, I'm I'm getting towards like, how do you help an organization utilize an assessment in a healthy way?
1: Yeah. Great question. I mean, you're so right. So it, you don't want someone to come in feeling so on edge about whether they're going to make it through this process or not, that they can't ease into it or relax into it enough that they give like a good presentation of them themselves, you know, um, at the same time, you want to be really honest about what the uses are for. So if it is for um, selection of a role or um, advancement, or, you know, you want to be clear about that. And, and I think that is where you know, the second piece comes in of like leadership and coaching and how you support assessment with those things, because the good leaders and the good HR managers and the people who kind of understand these dynamics that come into play, the power, you know, it's like a power like someone's like, this is something that's never lost on me is when I'm sitting across from someone that they experience me to have power in their future. And that's, Huge. Like, I want that person to feel comfortable. I want them to know exactly what to expect. I want to be really clear about who's going to see this data, who's going to hear it, what we're going to do with it, what that means for them. Ultimately, if used in the right ways, this is like actually a confidence builder. Like, we're going to figure out where you need help to be better, to do better. Um, so, how you set it up really matters. But I think that comes in comes from how you relate to people, how you talk to people, are you transparent, are you real, are you honest? Um, So I don't know if I answered your question actually, I kind of forgot what it was, but that's something that's really important to me to to notice that this is like an anxiety provoking experience for people.
0: Yeah, you absolutely absolutely answered it. I mean, my question was around how do you, you have so much experience setting teams and organizations up for diving into these assessments. And that was my question is like, how do you set them up for success? How do you ease some of that anxiety? And and how do you also, I mean, if an organization, if I'm a leader of an organization, whether I'm in HR, whether I'm an executive, whatever, and I'm going to bring the input of an assessment into my organization, I want to make sure that we can actually utilize it in a way that is meaningful like like we can actually get out of it what we want rather than just go in and ruffle a bunch of feathers get some odd results and then do nothing and so i think that i mean that's really what i was pointing to in my question
1: just a couple more thoughts on that like it really is a tool and it kind of starts and stops there so when it's used ineffectively it's because we're like oh we're doing this assessment, we're going to learn each other's colors and whatnot, and this will give us like a common language to speak to each other about, and that's cool. We could all relate to it. But if it ends there, it's kind of, it gets a little pointless. Like now we have these color languages that we talk in. What is really useful then is if there's some sort of like follow up coaching and support and development around it. So that one, it should be used as a tool, one that gives you a common language. One that takes a more objective look of, at what's going on in the talent, in the team dynamic, because you can go at assessment both individually and as a team, which is you know great, and it allows you to get to the needs, like what's wanted and needed, like we say, so much faster than if we're just kind of coming in and saying, okay, like I think people should be weary if you're working with like a consultant or any type of vendor, and they're not, like, and they don't have some sort of process that they take you through. To get to the needs quickly and objectively and more accurately than the people on the inside can see. Because the people on the inside, you know, it reminds me of that phrase we always say, like, if there if something wasn't working would you want to know or if because we oftentimes think we know what's going on but we're clouded by our own biases and per, you know whatever self-preservation like i don't want to see that all my employees are pissed off like that would be terrible <laughs> but once you start talking it you know so it's really useful to objectively and accurately and quickly get to the needs but it really needs to be followed up with support otherwise you end up discrediting the assessment and the process and even yourself as a leader because it's like oh thank you for putting me through this fun exercise what now you know like (laughs) that that actually ends up pissing people off
0: oh that was so fun and interesting Uh, and we're gonna do nothing with it carry on um that what you're saying like reminds me you know i i think we experience we can experience this with some of our clients who are new and and we're taking them through the harrison and and their teams to the harrison is that they you know they think they they can make the mistake of thinking that the assessment's going to have the hard conversations for them meaning they could like hide behind the assessment which is typically you know if that's the case they're typically a leader that's been hiding from those conversations anyway and they think this this is going to like relieve that pressure make make everything better and i would i would just add to what you're talking about from my experience the assessment only opens or only starts the conversation the assessment is not the conversation and if you think it is you're it it's possible you'll do more damage to the relationships on your team by hiding behind the assessment than you would definitely than not ever having brought an assessment into your organization. So, so just know like this isn't going to do the heavy lifting for you. This is not an out for you as an, as a leader to like not have to talk about the things that aren't working. They're actually going to, illuminate the conversations like you're talking about right the conversations you can't see or have been unwilling to have this is going to illuminate those conversations
1: absolutely and that's great because if you could do that on your own you would have already done it right all the reason to like let's do it you know let's get into it let's all put our shit on the table let's be honest about where we're at And this is the starting point and we get to it, you know, together and quicker, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's the start. It's not the end. It's, it's a tool. It's like an appetizer to the main dish, you know?
0: Yeah. If people are, if leaders are thinking about anybody that's listening, thinking about bringing an assessment into their organization, where would you encourage them to start? I mean, obviously, Hey, hi, we're here.
1: Yeah, um, totally.
0: Plus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but uh, besides that, like how, how would you encourage them to start thinking about this, researching it, um, all of that mm-hmm. stuff?
1: Well, uh, how do I do this without like just shamelessly plugging TNG? Oh, plug away.
0: I mean, plug Caitlin's away. the best. That's. I mean, there is nobody else out there that could do it like Caitlin. So just...
1: I'm the only one. Who I'm not
0: shy it. about it. <laughs>
1: I really know what I'm doing. Um, Yeah. So I would say like, use it, use it as the tool that it is. And it's intended to be, don't go after, like, I think some of the, um, I'm not like totally sitting here dissing the color wheel or the disc assessment. I think why organizations end up using that is because it's like economic, you know, it's very scalable in an organization and accessible, it can start a great conversation and give people a common language. Um, But the, you know, as we've been pointing out, like, it only takes you so far, like what we so anyway, back to your question, I would say, do the research or ask and I'll let you know, I'm not shy about it. About what the gold standard assessments are, I love Harrison. Um, there's a couple of more, but the Harrison I think really gets at a holistic view of a person in a in a really powerful way. And what you should be looking for, which I think TNG does very well, is you don't want to go find a vendor or a consultant or a coach who's like super upcharging the assessment. So in some instances, you know, the assessment is the assessment, but then. Then you're paying you know an extra couple thousand for a report based on the assessment. It's like, why do you need another report? You have the assessment report you know? so you should be looking out for these things. And what you should be looking for is someone who's willing to just who's steeped in doing it, knows how to do it well, is using a gold standard instrument, but then is willing to help you with the what's next because that is really the most critical part is this starts a conversation. Now, how do you get that conversation going and carried on in a meaningful way that you know makes results makes things happen in your organization
0: that's really our what i'm hearing you say is like really rings true as our approach which is like the assessment is whatever that's just the introduction to our conversation At so many of what's out there so many consultancies and stuff that utilize assessment it's like it is the star it is like the it is the be all right so they're charging lots and lots of money for it and it's it's referenced in everything for us it's just context it's like the means to the end which is can how do we get to work how do we get to how do we dive into the conversations how do we get real with each other like you talked about how do we get our shit on the table so yeah like i mean the, the assessment, taking the assessment, getting the results is like a no brainer. It's like the, just the beginning of our relationship together. Um, and then we can actually like really do the work, uh, after that.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So this is great. Anything else that you had in mind that you wanted to bring to this conversation? I, I love, um, being able to provide this as a tool, just want to check in with you i think you know this has been fantastic
1: this has been super fun i feel like there's so much we can say about you know different assessments and the value of each and and how to use it but i think my biggest takeaway here is use it. It's a super effective tool to get grounded, to just start the process of, hey, we're going to give feedback to each other. Like you know, assessment is feedback. You take it, you get some output, the coach gives you the feedback. It's sometimes hard to hear, but like it's a great like starter. We're grounded in this work and then it should really then just take off through the coaching and the group work that happens afterwards and that's why i joined tng actually cuz i was doing all these assessments and it it's great and i totally believe in it and then i kept finding myself thinking like well what's next and i want to get more into that work and i will say that since i have gotten into it with you guys it's been everything i hoped to the you know the follow up to the assessment work would be in terms of like how do you get people in a room and just have real conversations about what to do with this information? And, um, I encourage everyone else out there to do it too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm so glad you're here to help us take, take it to the next level. I really do feel like your, your contribution allows us to take it to, um, another level that we've, we've yet to be able to do that. I know that sounds really weird. And like, whatever fluffy i don't know how to say it i'm like struggling i'm struggling for the words like next level is so stupid but like do you know what i mean like there is an added legitimacy but also just even the personality that you bring to it and how much you value it i'm so grateful for um the the one other thing i was thinking of as you were given your last thoughts was like if you're listening to this and you're thinking about the size of your organization and you're like, ah, but I don't have a big organization. I don't have an executive team or I don't, whatever. I would say, even if you're a solopreneur, there's so much value for you to understand, especially at this point, like if you got a handle on this while you're a solopreneur and you're looking to grow and bring on a team, um, knowing your blind spots like knowing how you relate to other people and the work that you do and being intimately familiar for, off of the results of a, an assessment and some coaching that's going to set you up for such a, a more potent conversation with your people as you even you're with your clients like you're teaming up with you're partnering with your clients too
1: right like real quickly on that like in the corporations i work with because we're doing it at scale it's so critical because you have data, data-driven data decision-making and talent planning versus like a popularity contest of like who's loudest or who's closest to like the man or the woman, you know? And so it becomes really important to just use data to actually find the talent and the diamonds and the rough that get lost in the shuffle. But in the other context of like solopreneur- solopreneurship or even you know, startups, and there's a couple of founders, and there's not a large enough team to say, you know, statistically, this is the trend, because there's not enough, there's not a big enough sample size to say that you still like everything starts with you yourself and your understanding of yourself. Like, even if I'm doing this project with two, um, two founders, and. Even with them, they're saying, well, we don't really know how what our culture is or we don't know what to tell people <laughs> about what we're looking for. We're like, Well, let's just start with like examining yourselves and seeing the kind of formula you two are starting to create. And then we'll add to them it, and we'll figure it out, you know. So there's there's a value in it all. And um, if you want to learn about yourself in a fun and deep way, we should do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk to us. We'd love to have you. Thanks, Caitlin. This has been awesome. I'm so like, and we got many more conversations to go. So I know we could go on and on. There's so many aspects to this, but I'm just, yeah. I'm glad we have lots to come in the future. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Chad. This is really fun. This is cool.
0: Yep. All right, Bye. right. Bye-bye everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday, we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next week, bye-bye, everybody.